Hey, what up, Long Beach? You know, they say it's the darkest before the dawn, but I, I don't believe that. Things happen before the light returns, and things are happening for the return of local sports. And this good news episode of the only podcast that updates you on everything happening with our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large is brought to you by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. This podcast is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, where you can find a ton of great sports and education coverage, including a blow-by-blow of the LBUSD's vaccine rollout as we start moving a little bit closer towards getting everyone vaccinated and ready to get back. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. Still no vaccine for me. On the show this week, we're bringing on Long Beach Poly football head coach Stephen Barbie to talk about the CIF, their decision uh, to cancel their uh, postseason for football and, and all the other fall sports. And, uh, and what that means for the future of more league and high school football in the months ahead. Let's take a snapshot right now to timestamp it. It is 3.52 on a Wednesday. And like I said, we've got good news. We should start with just the fact that the state of California has gotten good news, lifted the stay-at-home order, so moving in the right direction as it pertains to COVID-19 numbers. And that means that the more league, the Long Beach Unified School District Sports League can start meeting and talking about possible returns to the field. We've got preliminary reports that they're talking about bringing back stuff like cross country and football by the end of February, which has got us absolutely giddy. Yeah, certainly the prospects for cross country look pretty good as the state's public health guidelines allow that sport to be contested, even in the purple tier, which is obviously the LA County is. Um, So we're hoping to see, Uh, You know, maybe by next week, maybe we'll have a finalized schedule with full clearance from all of the health departments uh, locally and at the county, you know, whoever else needs to green light it. But I think right now we're looking at dual meets is what the the CDPH guidelines require. So not the big cluster meets where we get to see everyone. Uh, We obviously, uh, I would say even as a sports writer, I don't know that I would feel great about going to an event with kids from (laughs) seven different schools. Uh, But dual meets you could do pretty easily. You're talking about seven kids from one team and seven kids from another team um, running them potentially at the high schools, running them potentially at the parks if they're able to get the permits to hold competitions in the parks. Um, So lots of good stuff to talk about. Just nice to be thinking about everyone working to put something on for these kids um, who, you know, really need it and uh, are very, I know, excited about it. Um, and as JJ said, this is the, the best news I feel like we've had on the podcast in a while. I haven't seen a date that I felt good about for high school sports uh, since March or April <laughs> of last year. And here's one where you start looking at some of these dates on the calendar for mid to late February and go, I could see that, you know. And as we said, as we'll talk to Coach Barbie about, they're talking about those kind of dates for football. Um, that's going to require a few more steps because it, uh, football – by the guidelines that were already out there needed to be in the orange tier. We're nowhere close to that. So football would have to be moved to the red or purple tier and would require some more layers of approval. Um, But it's just nice to see things moving, man. Just nice to not be sitting here feeling uh, all doom and gloom, you know? Well, and and you mentioned the tiers, Mike, and and based on that, this is what we were expecting would be the first domino to fall was was cross country. And so that's going to be an important moment to hopefully set off some momentum in getting more sports able to play because they are in that purple tier. Basically, now that the stay at home order is lifted, that's why it can proceed and go forward. That's why, you know, this is an outdoor activity. 
as, as long as people are spaced out and, and the numbers are limited, like you said, where it's not doing the big league-wide cluster meets, um, we can make this work. And there, there's been a plan in place to make cross-country work for a while. It just needed the state health department to allow it to happen by lifting that stay-at-home order. That has now happened. So really, the, the only hurdle remains is can we get to that date without anything else changing? Um, because there is no tier above the purple tier. It's just whether they put we'll in another lockdown to prevent tier. it. Gavin, you said <laughs> mega purple tier. It was not a good place to be. We've moved into the regular purple tier now. <laughs> it's like the Barney tier, I think, at that point. We've all got good news for the world-renowned Long Beach parks as well. Local baseball teams and their parents are like, wait, well, what's this, an email about Eldo? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what this is. I haven't gotten one of these in a while. But yes, that is good news that the, CI, that the city and the parks are working together to try to get those leagues back in action at the local parks. Yeah, and I, I'm reporting here as a parent. You know, I could, do I need to give that as a disclosure, you know, ethically or something? But Yes, yes you do. As a parent and volunteer coach at the, the baseball league over at Eldo, uh, I do have an email saying that we're going ahead with uh, evaluations in a week or two and uh, that the season's going to be a green light. I did see a Facebook post from our friends at Whaley Pony as well that they'll be holding their evaluations uh, February 20th and then looking to get going after that. So um, obviously all this stuff can change if we go back into that Barney tier, uh, as Tyler called it, the lean tier, whatever you want to call it, the deep purple, um, the, the promethazine, the promethazine tier. But, uh, but the good news is, um, we have these sort of, you know, tentative thumbs up, which, uh, if you listen to the LB fee show with Andy fee, you know, that's where we are with Long Beach state as well. Um, where the big West and Long Beach state have decided to go ahead with their spring sports, um so just lots of possible things i'm trying not to i'm trying i can't let my heart get up too high because it can't handle any more heartbreak uh but it, this stuff feels good though we got a very outspoken andy fee on the lb fee show i'm not saying that he said crazy stuff i'm just saying in terms of andy fee andy fee was very outspoken basically saying that the city doesn't really understand or i guess respect the urgency that he and his department has to try to get their student athletes back in action, to try to get things a little bit back to normal on campus over there. And fair enough, right? They got a lot bigger fish to fry at the local health department. But at the same time, and as we talked about this on the LBF show, and I think we just mentioned it with the parks, you can drive down the street right now next to Eldorado and, uh, and, and Little Rec and Big Rec and places like that and see people playing golf and see people playing tennis. But People at Long Beach State and people in the local school district and the Moore League, they don't get to play golf and tennis. And then they're sitting there left thinking, what's the difference? And I'll make the case that it's maybe more important for the high school kids just from a mental health and socialization perspective. I mean, we've, we've covered that and the, the ripple effects of those issues on this podcast pretty extensively. Um, and I want to be clear that I'm not throwing that around as kind of a cliched thing. I mean, we, we, we have talked to kids whose lives have been negatively affected um, we've reported, obviously, on the gun violence that's had an uptick among uh, youth communities in Long Beach and Compton. But um, even while it is maybe more important to get some kind of sports and activity going for the high school kids, it is just from a logistical perspective, it makes even less sense for Long Beach State to not have been given the green light because, as, as Andy Fee pointed out, like they're testing these kids three times a week. All three of us could right now go play golf at Big Rec. They're, we're not going to be tested. They don't know what we've done, right? I mean, they don't know where we've been. Um, whereas these Long Beach State kids have sort of subjected themselves willingly to a quarantine. 
Um, and, you know, I, I know people who work in the city government. I know people who work at Memorial Hospital. They're not tested three times a week. So, you know, from Long Beach State's perspective, it's like this is going to be the most secure population in the city of Long Beach. Um, let's get them, you know, doing what they want to do and, and having fun and providing some entertainment for the people in Long Beach. But also because they'll be tested three times a week, uh, do it more safely than, frankly, anything that anyone else in Long Beach is doing right now. Well, yeah, I think that's the the circle that's been hardest to square, so to speak, is the, you know, if, if they were private citizens, they would be able to compete in their sport at their leisure. But if it's as soon as it becomes competition or in any official capacity where you're if comparing you show scores, each other the scorecard, <laughs> that's where the line has been crossed. So I think there, there's a little bit of uh, confusion and maybe some silliness with that, that, that hopefully we're, we're close to working through. And, and like you said, JJ, I mean, we, we've been very clear on this, on this podcast for months that, you know, we understand the, the reality of the virus and the severity and have been, you know, pleading with all of our listeners and readers to continue to listen to the science and wear your masks. But we are at kind of a point where a lot of things are, are converging here. And as, as JJ said, you know, they, they have bigger fish to fry. But, you know, for me, I like to have fish with, you know, some fries, maybe some hush puppies. Um, so we got we to get a couple other things uh, going in the kitchen. You know what I mean? I'm a tater tot guy, if I'm being honest. So Napoleon, give me your talks. We've got the Moore League, we've got Long Beach Unified, we've got the parks, we've got Long Beach State, and they're all waiting for the city, the health department of Long Beach, to basically give them the go-ahead. And I thought it was very interesting that Andy Andy Fee said it's not as if he's communicating with them every day, giving them more information, waiting for them to digest that information, figure it out, use it up against somebody else's numbers, and then come back with a better answer. He's literally just waiting by the phone. They have Long Beach State's plan the plan that has been proven to work over the last few months as they've gotten basketball back on the court. Over a 1,000 tests for COVID for those basketball student-athletes. Only two came back positive, and they were non-student-athletes. So if all of that is true and you're just waiting for it, it's almost as if people should just come back to the 562.org every single day because Mm. at any moment, the health department could push that button and say, yes, we're good to go, and we could be back to normal. It could happen that fast just as quickly as it all got shut down. What a great idea. I think uh, I, I think the way the algorithms work, the more often that you click the subscribe button and then follow through with pain, I think that maybe make, I mean, don't quote me on this. That's I don't know the science. I make sports come back faster. It's hard to say. You know, we, we know. have it certainly, really, it certainly wouldn't slow it down. We need more data. We need to really extensively data test this theory that subscribing to the 562.org. And actually, let me, let me transition this stupid joke into a serious plea. I will say this. We're looking at, uh, at a schedule in February and March that would be very expensive for us to cover that would, that because we want to send photographers to every game. We want to have videos of every contest. Um, and that's going to cost money. So if you do have, an extra five or $10 a month, please do go to the 562.org and click subscribe because man, we want to put all of these kids on the biggest stage ever after everything they've gone through the last 10, 11 months. Um, if we can do that, I think that would make us so happy. And, and I know it would make the kids happy. So definitely really do go click the subscribe button, but I will disavow any idea that it would uh, bring sports back fast. In the ever-changing restaurant world, if you're eager to get back and do some safe outdoor dining in the city of Long Beach, we got to recommend Naples Rib Company down on Naples Island on 2nd Street. They are reopening for outdoor dining starting on Wednesday, February 3rd. Of course, you can always still get your to-go takeout orders from Naples Rib Co. Feed the whole family, feed the whole block, or just feed yourself. No one's going to judge you if you're in your own home. 
head on down to Naples. You can visit ribcompany.com, give them a call, or enjoy their lovely outdoor dining under a tent. Uh, it's a beautiful setup they've got, and they're going to reopen it, like we said, on Wednesday, February 3rd. Be sure to support Naples Ribco, the best barbecue in town. Support the people that support Long Beach sports coverage. We now bring on our special guest for the week. He's got one of the most versatile wardrobes in the city. It's Long Beach Poly football <laughs> coach Stephen Barbie. Coach, how are you? Uh, what up, Long Beach? I'm doing great. Happy to be with you guys again. From the sweater vest to the Rastafari t-shirts, uh, we always uh, like hanging out <laughs> with Stephen Barbie, talking football, and hey, oh my gosh, we actually get to do that again. Uh, were you surprised when the CIF Southern Section did cancel their championship series? Because that kind of does open you guys up to do more stuff, like we've already been talking about on the pod. Um, you know, I had uh, I had been in some meetings with uh, Commissioner Wygott uh, before Christmas, and you know, he had kind of alluded to uh, you know that that the scenario that unfolded. Um, you know, and I truly think um, you know canceling um, the CIF playoffs and championships. Um, you know, while it's it's very disheartening. Um, it truly allows for more options from a league standpoint to be able to play as many games as we can. And ultimately, um, that's what we're trying to do as, you know, as a program, as well as, um, you know, a league, um, you know, truly just be able to play games. We, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast as well, but the, the Moore League is uniquely um, situated to benefit from that flexibility because six of the seven high schools are in the same school district. Um, and because you guys have a full-time secretary in Lisa Ulmer, um, we've, we've alluded to it on this podcast before, but you know, when you cover the suburban league or the San Gabriel Valley league, you're looking at four or five, six school districts, um, and trying to get them all on the same page is very difficult. Do you think that, uh, that, that structure for the Moore league, do you think that's going to make it easier to, to make something happen? You know, I mean, you think that's going to help you guys be able to get on the field, uh, this season? Um, I, I really do. Uh, you know, Lisa Omer does a great job, um, you know, helping coordinate everything as well as all of the athletic directors in the Moore League. Um, you know, I know right now, um, you know, they're in a meeting trying to be able to put together, um, you know, schedules and proposals for um, the seasons for the sports, um, you know, all based around the CIF parameters that CIF has laid out. Um, so, you know, definitely I, I feel that, um, you know, having – the majority of our schools in one um, school district and, um, you know, also Compton in Compton's district. Um, you know, I, I, I feel that, um, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what is going to be the best case scenario for everybody um, to be able to play, um, you know, a, as many contests as possible within the league. Well, and, and with all this stuff, there's just been so many questions, right. And so many changes, you know, what, what's it like for you as a coach? I mean, I know you just want to run practices, coach games and get kids better on the field, but now you're probably fielding all these questions from, you know, your players or parents or your other coaches about, you know, what does this mean? Is, is the, is the season going to happen? You know, how, how have you been able to balance sort of being a, you know, what's that experience been like of being sort of a bastion of knowledge that people are looking to where you're trying to explain that this is the challenges we're up against. Here's who's making the decisions. How has that role been for you as, as kind of a, a leader of the program to have to field a ton of new questions that you normally never have to deal with? Um, you know, I think um, pretty clear communication and be very transparent communication. Um, you know, I, I think it's you want the kids informed, you know, 
um, for some of our uh, football classes, you know, whether it be CIF has canceled something, I'll explain it to them. I'll obviously send a notification out to the players and the parents um, and ask if there's any questions, you know, you know, what are the questions? You know, there are some kids that when CIF made theirs, does that mean that football's canceled? Does that, you know, and I I think just, um, you know, again, you guys have done a great job of, you know, kind of laying out the facts, um, you know, throughout this whole thing. And I think just, you know, being very upfront and, you know, um, you know, the next communication I'll have with the program is um, from the news that I received from um, the more league meeting from the athletic directors and the administration on, you know, what is the next proposed steps that um, could possibly have for us to have a season. And, you know, I think again, just, um, you know, being consistent and, you know, obviously fielding all those calls. There's, there's a lot of different questions and concerns and, um, you know, um, instead of somebody just running away with, you know, what they think, you know, just be very um, honest, transparent and, and, and um, you know, try to answer all the questions um, to the best of the ability that you can. How have they responded to that transparency and honesty? I mean, how are these kids feeling? Are they are they as frustrated as we are? Or are they kind of just like waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under them yet again? It's been tough. Um, you know, uh, personally, I want the kids back in school. I want you know, I want to be able to see them. I want to be able to work with them. I think, um, you know, most educators um, want that. Um, you know, it, it's been very hard, this distance learning on a lot of the kids and especially a lot of the athletes that, um, you know, for some of them, you know, the, their drive to do well in school is due to them being able to have the opportunity to be on, on an athletic team. And, um, you know, I think it's just um, – you know, telling the kids you love them, telling them that you're there for them and, you know, checking up on them. And, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, some students that have, have come to me and coach, I'm not doing well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling and, you know, just trying to be able to, to help them um, in these circumstances. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, they know that you're there for them uh, and, you know, you're looking to, you know, do what's best for them. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's something where, you know, in, in life, not, not everything is going to happen the way you want it to, or not everything's going to, you're not always going to get your way. And it's, it's not, you know, what happens to you, but how you respond to it and how you, um, you know, when adversity hits, you know, how do you come out of it? You know, are you going to let it beat you? Are you going to, you know, rise to the challenge and be able to, uh, you know, give it your best effort. And I, I think um, ultimately all of us have gone through this, the kids, the the coaches, uh, you know, I mean, we're going on over, you know, over a year that, you know, we haven't been able to coach a football game or, um, you know, have a true football practice and in, in what, what would be considered normal in years past. And, um, you know, to be able to, um, you know, still try to, you know, have the, the team show up every day, which they have, you know, show up in their classes and do well in their classes and, you know, make sure their great checks are on point. I think it's, this has been a complete, um, you know, new experience for everybody. And, um, you know, I think just you have to remain positive. You have to remain hopeful and um, and ultimately give it your best effort, you know, whatever it is, whether it be obviously on the athletic field or on in the classroom. Speaking of which, you know, all these kids are inside all day trying to be going to school, but also staying active when they can. What's your advice been for their self-care? You know what I mean? What kind of schedule do you want your football players on right now? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – you know, I mean, we're still able to do some some workouts at school. So we've done that. Obviously, finals week is right now. So we gave them um, the week off so they could concentrate on finals. Um, 
but you know, to get up and get them moving, you know, some of the assignments that I've had in, in football class are, you know, stretching and, um, you know, yoga and just kind of some things that'll allow them to be able to have a little self care for themselves, take some time for themselves. Um, you know, it, it's hard, you know, and not only my athletes, but you know, some of my PE students, when we do some exercises, you know, to look at a step counter that they'll, they'll take a picture of a screenshot of and, and send to me and you know what, they only took 200 steps yesterday. And in my class, they, they took 4,000. And, you know, it's, it's tough on a lot of these kids. Um, you know, again, they're, they're programmed to be social, be around people, you know, really get um, that exercise in. And it's, it, uh, again, it's been a struggle for all of the, the, the students involved, you know, that I've, that I've come in contact with, whether it be my regular students in my uh, PE class or my athletes and just, you know, trying to create um, them to have a little more active lifestyle. And I mean, it's tough because, again, they're in front of these computers for five and six hours a day, which that's that's very hard on on, on, a, on a team. Coach, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the feeling that you have among other educators that everyone really wants to get back to working with the kids in person where you guys know you're doing your best work. Um, coaches are some of the few educators that have been able to have some in-person contact with the conditioning practices um, that you've all had going on. And I, I've heard from, you obviously see different viewpoints out there. You see teachers who very much do not want to go back into the classroom until they and everyone else have been vaccinated. And you also see teachers who are like, I'd cut my hand off to get back in the classroom so I don't have to keep doing this over Zoom. What are you hearing from the other football coaches and, and, uh, and, you know, coaches, maybe not even just in Long Beach, but coaches, you know, is everyone ready to get going? Or do you hear some people who are, you know, kind of hesitant and concerned just from the safety standpoint with the virus? You know, I, th- I, I think they are. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's um, obviously safety first. But, um, you know, I, you know, the feeling of the coaches that I've talked to is, um, you know, that they, w- they want to they want to work with the kids, they, you know, um, and, uh, you know, be active in that and be active, you know, in there, um, working with, uh, today's, you know, athletes, um, and students. You know, obviously we want to, to have some sort of high school, more league football season come together, but you know, it's going to be pushing much later than you would normally be playing high school football. And then ideally we would want to get fall 2021 going. How do you sort of see, that working out? I mean, is there concern that that's a lot of football in a condensed period of time? Should that all work out? Or would a spring season, so to speak, this year serve as kind of like spring football that you would normally have, especially since a condensed season? What, what are your thoughts kind of on, on how that, that condensed year in 2021 might play out? I, I definitely like a season. I think, um, you know, ultimately, you know, being a school that is tied in with CIF and and whatnot, um, you know, CIF has, has had a, a hard date in April of the, you know, the season one sports to, um, to be completed. And, um, you know, my hope and, um, is to be able to, to, to play a more league, um, you know, to get going, be able to have our, our 10 practices in and, um, and be able to play a, uh, a more league. And I think that would be um, great, you know, ultimately, um, you know, it would be hard in the spring to tell all those other spring sports are sports more important than your sport. You know, and, and again, that's not how I roll. Um, I want my multi-sport athletes, you know, all, all the spring coaches had to go through this all last year. 
you know, and, um, you know, I think, um, you know, at some point, um, you know, CIF has put that date up for a reason. And, you know, I, I unless something unforeseen happens, um, you know, we'll know by then um, whether we'll be able to, to play or not. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we will. Um, what, what sentiment, uh, I mean, are, are the kids just like raring to go? I mean, I, I, it's one thing to just be hopeful as we've all been since, you know, last March or whatever, but I think you, we're starting to see some real momentum, some signs that the state is actually going to change its mind. Um, are you hearing excitement from the kids, uh, or, you know, as Tyler said, are, are they just sort of like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it at this point. They're ready to go. So, uh, you know, they've. You know, some of them have their senior season. Some of them to have a sophomore, junior season. Um, you know, the excitement of the freshmen that have been working out—they're ready to have their first high school season. So, um, you know, ultimately, you know, there's still young kids that we're dealing with that, um, you know, they—they they, they just want to—they want to play the game that they enjoy playing with their friends, and uh, you know, hopefully, something that we'll be able to do. Awesome stuff as always, Coach. Really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck going forward. I'm sure we'll be talking very soon, and hopefully it's on a practice field. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Hopefully we'll see you on a practice field soon, guys. I appreciate all you do for Long Beach. Thank you. We also want to thank our new sponsors, Ocean Law Center. They are helping injured people and their families. Visit OceanLawCenter.com to check out the services they provide. Thank you so much to Ocean Law Center for their support of high school and local sports coverage. Big shouts to Stephen Barbie for the late time change on the interview, which allowed us to watch Everton in a thrilling draw with Leicester City. Tyler, myself, Mike, you've, you've dabbled. We're, we're all Everton supporters because I'm an Everton supporter, and anybody who talks to me for long enough eventually becomes an Everton supporter. It's the people's club. It's the best sports experience you could possibly have, if I'm being honest. I'm an, I'm an Everton supporter and I don't watch professional soccer, but uh, it's, it's sort of the way I was a Dodgers fan when I wasn't watching baseball because of the following reason. When JJ and I were in London covering the Olympics, JJ has been an Everton fan since we were in college, which was a long time ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Liverpool on the one half day off we had from covering the Olympics so that JJ could just like look at the outside of the stadium where Everton plays and a security guard there saw us taking pictures over the fence and uh, me sort of hoping for like a viral Disney moment. I was like, this guy is like the biggest Everton fan in America. He tells everyone about Everton. We literally came up from London. We're here working, covering the Olympics. He just wanted to see the stadium. And the guy whose name JJ will remember. My guy, Ken. Ken goes, Long way to come to just take pictures from the parking lot and immediately unlocked the gate and proceeded to like, let us walk on the field gave us a full tour of like, I mean, it was great. It was the, it was Ted Lasso before Ted Lasso. We got to see the whole workings of the inner stadium. (laughs) I I instinctively took my hat off as if I was going into church. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty great. One of my all time favorite moments. And the reason why I bring it up is because Everton has a real connection with us soccer a lot of the uh, young U.S. stars like Tim Howard, Landon Donovan ended up playing with Everton and then coming back and, and really making U.S. soccer more part of international soccer, which is basically now the goal of every young soccer player in America. They can see now that the MLS has its place, but if you really want to get on the world stage, which is ultimately the World Cup, you have to play in the best club soccer, and the best club soccer is in Europe. 
one of our local guys, a Long Beach native currently living in Lakewood, Jalen Neal. He is 17 years old and already a professional soccer player. He just signed with the LA Galaxy, and we have a feature about him up at the 562.org right now. And obviously, this kid's goal is to play overseas. So I think he's coming in at a perfect time where, Tyler, you can attest to this. How many times did we watch Landon Donovan play for Everton and he just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger? And we'd say, you know, he could never do that in America. He could never play that much high intense soccer and get that much better in a short amount of time. He was called Landy Cakes for a reason. He got a lot stronger over in the EPL. And Jalen Neal saw that as a kid growing up. And now that's his goal. And I think it's so cool that, uh, that we support the club that supports U.S. soccer so strongly. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's the strongest tie uh, to America in the EPL. I mean, it's and a, a ton of uh, U.S. supporters. Um, and as you mentioned, like Landon Donovan, Brian McBride played for Everton. Tim Howard was there for such a long time um, as the, the legendary American goalkeeper, the, the ageless wonder, who's now calling games on NBC um, for NBC Sports and Peacock, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, you, you know, I, you can see that that it's starting to build a little bit where, where kids are growing up and and seeing themselves playing in other countries and you know, of course, we would love for the American League to get to that level. But, you know, let's be realistic. It's not where the best soccer in the world is being played. And, um, you know, I think we can hopefully get to that point eventually. But it's going to take a lot more than than just having a couple talented players to do it. And obviously, Jalen is is one to watch as such a young player to already be a professional. And then there's tons of guys that are that are already making an incredible impact. Uh, I mean, obviously, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea is getting a lot of headlines for, for the work that he's done. And he was in the Bundesliga as well. Uh, Weston McKenney with Juventus um, has been playing terrific. And that's another young player. Uh, Jordan Morris has a ton of potential. It was a, uh, a big star when he was at Stanford. So it's, it's interesting to watch the, the development of the sport and uh, hopefully it translates to the national team, <laughs> but, it's an exciting uh, time but it starts it. with the talent, I guess. It's an exciting time for it. And uh, Jalen Neal has already been on the U16 national team. So he's already on track for that type of stuff. And basically this entire part of the podcast is just me throwing it out there and speaking it into existence. Jalen Neal in Everton blue. And we get to start a chant that includes Jalen Neal. He hails from Long Beach. He's one of our own. He's one of our own. That's all. That's all I really want. That's all I really want. So congratulations to Jalen Neal and his family, really. I mean, obviously the family sacrificed so much when somebody at the age of 17 is able to put in enough time to become a professional athlete, which is pretty crazy. So like I said, that feature available at the website and obviously not the only stuff available at the website. You guys got any features that people should check out right now? Well, one that I worked on recently um, going up on the website this week is about a group of of inspiring young students, um, mostly at Long Beach Poly High School. They started the Poly Green Schools campaign, um, a satellite, you know, sort of group of the broader green schools campaign that's happening nationally just to try to transition our schools into clean, renewable energy. Um, and and it, was, it was very inspiring to talk to, you know, young people, um, you know, the Diana Michelson, who started it, um, is just a sophomore at Poly and is already, you know, making such a big impact. I also talked to an eighth grader uh, from Keller Middle School, um, and it's just it's great to see the the next generation care so much uh, about what's going on in our world and, and these important issues. And and what a cool thing if you know we have the opportunity to have that you know 
technology of the future and, and have it at our schools to inspire, you know, in the same way that athletes get inspired by seeing people on TV that they, you know, that they idolize, you know, whether it's a Gabby Douglas, you know, just certain, certain pioneers. And, and that, that may be a stretch to draw that conclusion, but I think being around it at a young age sparks people's curiosity and, and gets them comfortable with, with things, you know, you don't have to, to retrain people if they grow up with um, the technologies that are, that are going to shape this planet in the generations to come. So definitely a cool story and, and props to the, the students for, for putting in the work to, to make a change and fight for something that they believe in. Yeah, very inspiring story. I really love reading that. I love that you talk to, uh, we don't interview middle school students very often, but pretty cool to see an eighth grader who's already so politically aware, uh, you know, that obviously environmentalism is going to mean something very different for this upcoming generation. That's something we've seen through a lot of conversations we've had with these kids. Um, my, it's my not, story- not really a political issue anymore. It's just kind of like a life issue. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, I'm looking at the uh, sea level and I'm looking at uh, how many feet above sea level my house is. And uh, I have some thoughts, you know, Um, but uh, moving on, I'm going to skip forward a few generations from Tyler's feature. Uh, My story for the week that I wanted to talk about that gave me a lot of hope was um, just the hope that the seniors uh, that we know in Long Beach and that community are feeling at being able to go get the vaccine. Um, I interviewed Keith Hansen who's a guy we all know very well uh, through the Century Club and through him just being a really big uh, Long Beach sports fan for both the Moore League and Long Beach State, um, about what it meant to him, about all the things he's missed over the last year um, and how isolated he's been and what it meant to him to get that vaccine and ran into his friend of 50 plus years, uh, Spud O'Neill, while getting the vaccine. <laughs> They're racing each other uh, at you know 0.1 mile an hour through the Cabrillo waiting line. Uh, to get their vaccines. But, you know, those are two guys who uh, see, saw each other probably two or three times a week for their entire lives. I mean, literally since they became friends when they were in like, I think seventh and eighth grade, um, who basically have seen each other once in 10 months, you know? And I, I think we've done a great job of uh, of talking about the the issues facing the, the kids that we cover uh, and the isolation they've gone through. Not necessarily our story to tell uh, about what, you know, seniors have gone through, but it's been very similar. And obviously, unlike the kids, there's a real fear of death, you know, from a lot of these people. I mean, Spud, who I mentioned, longtime, you know, legendary Lakewood baseball coach, the field there is named after him. You know, Spud has already survived a couple of really scary respiratory um, situations. And so he's been taking this really seriously. And unlike the kids where their lives have been upended, but they're not necessarily that worried about what the virus would do to them. You know, these guys understand, Spud understands if he gets COVID-19, you know, that's, that's probably a wrap, you know? And so that's a different kind of an isolation, I think, when you attach the fear and the anxiety to it. And as Keith pointed out, these guys don't want to be on FaceTime with each other, man. That's not the technology that they're comfortable with and they enjoy using. Um, so I, I, I loved hearing from them about how excited they were for the future and just the hope that that vaccine represented for them. Uh, that really kind of brightened my week after a couple of weeks of reporting some bad news. Great stuff, fellas. That's it. That's all. There ain't no more. Another episode of What Up Long Beach being put into the book. So thank you so much to everybody involved at the 562.org and Long Beach Post for helping get this podcast up and all the stories that we just mentioned. Like we said, it's good news. The light is coming back. So hang tough, stay safe, wear your mask, and we'll talk to you soon, Long Beach.